This is the Organizational Health Advantage Podcast with Keith Hadley and James Felton, Principal Consultants at Table Group. They're in the business of coaching leaders to build strategic focus and cultural alignment that leads to amazing results. This podcast is for leaders who are looking to increase productivity and morale while decreasing politics, confusion, and unwanted turnover. Welcome to the Org Health Advantage. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Org Health Advantage. In this episode, we're joined by Mike McCarg, a good friend and colleague at the Table Group. Mike and I joined the Table Group at the same time, and I've enjoyed getting to know him and working with him over the past 10 years. In addition to his work with Table Group, Mike is also the founder of a great nonprofit in Boise, Idaho called 100 Men for Good. He is also on the board of another nonprofit called Ruya, and he's the author of a really fun leadership book called Rookie Mistakes. The title probably gives away the premise, but there are some amazing stories in there. Mike was able to get leaders to be vulnerable and open, which is really cool, and I highly recommend the book. Please welcome Mike McCarg. And we're here with Mike McCarg. Mike, thanks so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you. James, it's really great to be with you. Thanks, thanks for having me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, so why don't you start out by talking to us, just give us a little context. You're in Boise, not Boise, uh, Boise. Hey, why don't you tell me how long you've been with the table group and, and a little bit of context about your family and, and what you were doing before you joined the table group? Yeah, sure, sure, James. So yeah, I live here in Boise. Good correction on the, the way to pronounce that. Well done on that. Uh, yeah, I live here with my wife for 24 years and three kids. So my, my children are 19, 17, and 12. I'll do different dealing with different things related to the, the coronavirus and being at home. So I know you're all familiar with that as well. So um, my my background, like you, I'm a table group consultant and have my own consulting business. And I've uh, been doing this with a table group almost exactly as long as you have. We started together yep. now coming up yep. on about seven years ago. So that's that's the work that I do. And I love working with leaders and teams, helping organizations get healthier and uh, helping leaders master some of these fundamental disciplines of running a healthy organization. Awesome. So good. Uh, and, and why I wanted to bring you on was not only about your experience with clients and, and both before joining the table group and now with the table group, but also you wrote a book called Rookie Mistakes. This came out, what, two years ago, I think it was? Yep. Coming up on two years now. Yep. That's so cool. And, uh, and I just love the title from the very get go rookie mistakes. And, uh, and you talk about some that you made early on. Uh, I love the story about you joining a leadership team and getting pretty much no advice on how to be successful and joining it from the other people on the team. Uh, but I just love how provocative that is. So, so just give us a little background on why, why was that the approach you, you chose to take in your book? Yeah, yeah, sure, James. So, so going back about twenty years is really, I guess, when I had the first idea for this book. Is I got thrown into a job that I was absolutely not ready for. I was working for a small software technology company, managing a small sales team, and our CEO came in one day and said, "Hey, Mike, um, our sales leader is leaving to go to another organization." He said that organization's called Google, and uh, oh, it's kind of funny. Gosh. Kind of funny looking back on it now, it's obviously as Google, but he said, it's Google. I don't know why he'd go to that funky named startup, but he's going there 
we want to ask if you'll take over our whole sales organization. And so my first reaction was, I'm excited. But my second reaction was, oh my gosh, that's a huge job. Multiple teams, multiple geographies, inside sales, outside sales. It was much bigger than anything I'd ever done. And so I asked him, I said, boy, I want to do this right, manage this organization, all these teams. Can you give me some guidance? Can you help me in this process? And the first words out of his mouth, he said, um, well, Mike, you know, it's not really that hard. It's the first thing he said. Not that hard, leading people, leading teams. And I probably should have bolted for the door right right now. In fact, <laughs> in fact, I, uh, I when I told this to an audience one time, they said, hey, you know, you uh, you probably should have run to Google. That's what you should have done. Because <laughs> that, uh, and I'd probably be in a different place in my life had I done that. But um, the first thing was, uh, it's not that hard. And second thing was, um, you know, your team is, uh, is, uh, more successful than the other team. You're selling more, you're supporting, you got good scores. Just have all those other teams do what they're doing and you should be successful. And that was it. No help, no guidance. I was young, a uh, young leader trying to figure it out. And so I made a bunch of mistakes. I made mistakes, you know, you know and, and I talk about this in my book is that I made all these big mistakes, mistakes on communicating with people effectively and being clear about things. Mistakes around hiring and firing and getting to know my team. I ran lousy meetings. I didn't give good feedback. I didn't ask for feedback. All these things that you might see in the book are mistakes that I made personally. And I, I just feel so sorry for all those people who worked for me in those early years as I was just guessing and trying to figure it out on my own. So that's probably right. where the idea for the book came from. Sure, sure. What I loved about it as well was the fact that you had so many leaders in the book talk about their own mistakes. And first, I want to just check in. Was that was that hard to get them to want to actually write those and put those out there publicly? Um, or were the, obviously they were pretty vulnerable people. Was it actually were they kind of laughing at it, going, "Yeah, this would be good," and you know, open for it? Yeah. Well, we, you know, it's, what's interesting is that so I made all these mistakes, and I and I got better because I tried to do some things that this author, who you and I both know well, Patrick Lencioni said, you know, here's some things you can try or here's how you can manage your team. And I read those books and it really tried to apply them and I got became a better leader as a result. So as I started doing this work that you and I do, uh, in some of my offsites, I would ask questions to leaders. Hey, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made? How did it affect your people and your teams? And I realized that the mistakes that I had made all along the way, those are not just reserved for rookies. Uh, all right. leaders make these same mistakes. I don't care yeah. how seasoned you are, you make some of these same mistakes. And so I started documenting some of these. And since my wife is an editor um, and I always wanted to write a book, I thought, hey, this is one thing that I know really well is how to make mistakes. I'm truly an expert to do this. And so I started asking leaders, would you mind if I, if I ever put this book together, would you mind me sharing that story uh, in there? And so we can keep other people from making similar mistakes. And I will be darned, James, these leaders who are in this book, there's 25 of them. They were so open and so vulnerable. And they, so many times I heard, boy, I wish I had known this before. I'd be happy to share this story if it'll keep people from making the same mistakes, if it'll help organizations. So I think the book's about mistakes, but it's probably as much about vulnerability as anything else. Totally. These leaders just opened up and said, I blew it. Hey, hope you can learn from it. So that was pretty exciting about this. Yeah, that is really cool. And one of the thoughts I had in reading this was, with you doing that work with those leaders, I bet you'd look back at, it, at at all of them and say, boy, they were really open-minded and they were actually pretty easy to work with and so were their teams because of that vulnerability. 
Yeah. No, I think as you and I know, that's a mark of a great leader, uh, the willingness to be open and vulnerable and honest and paving the way for others to be able to chime in and say what's really on their mind. So right. yeah, I think I think to a person, uh, the ones that I have in this book are ones who are willing to let their guard down and share some things and be open. So yeah. that was that was a really nice thing to to see and really helped to the book. The the hard part was not getting them to be open and vulnerable. The hard part was, as you know, tracking down CEOs and asking them to write a story and trying to help them craft it. I mean, exactly. it was like a little bit of uh, and a little bit of hurting cats there, but. It, yeah. it was worth it. It was worth it in the end. Yeah, it worked out for sure. Um, you know, one of one of my favorite stories is from the CEO who uh, admitted that he had won an award. It was a founders award at a company he was at for being the embodiment of their values and their culture. And he he went up at the end of the year party and received this award and got a Rolex and got off stage and realized, I don't even know what the values are. No, I, I think that's that's probably so true for so many of us who've been in organizations and, ah, uh, yeah, we got these values and they're up on a wall, but what do they really mean? Yeah. And and he said, at that point, I got this award and we were all joking that, gosh, I didn't even know it. And and so he said, if he ever ran a company, and this was earlier in his career, if I ever run a company, I'm going to make sure that we are living the values and people know those values. So when I got to work with Eric and his team, uh, he was, you know, he said, let's make sure we get this right and make sure everybody knows. Them. So that yeah. was a good lesson that, that he had learned uh, early on. Yeah, that was so cool. The, uh, the other, the other uh, story that I really liked was the CEO who had been a water polo player. And that mm-hmm. spoke to me because of my time as a volleyball player and a volleyball coach. And what was interesting was the, the, the focus and the clarity around goals uh, on his high school team Versus then he went up to a serious uh, Pac-12 team and it was very different there. And he said, well, I'll let you tell that story, but just the the focus on clarity and alignment with the leadership team and the whole organization going from there. Yeah, yeah. His, His story on the water polo team was one where we were so clear exactly what we were trying to accomplish. And the, you know, the whole first category of mistakes I share in the book is all around being clear about yeah. the fundamental things. How are we going to succeed? Why do we exist? We, what are our goals? And right. he found as he moved up, not only into Pac-12 school playing water polo there, but as he moved into organizations and had leadership roles, he found that there wasn't clarity around the goals and what was really most important. And right. and he took some blame because as a leader, it was up to him to, to set those goals and set the priorities. And I will tell you this: this leader, Dave Myers, uh, you know, he's he lives here in Boise, and he runs a a, a a small company, a small and growing company. But I'll tell you, I've never known a leader who is more clear about goals and the rocks they're trying to move, and what's happening this quarter, and what we're going to do next quarter. So I think he learned his lesson well on that one, and it's paid great dividends for his his growing business. Yeah, yeah. The other the other mistake that I think is really provocative and and one that for sure young leaders probably fall into this trap, but I think even older leaders because I have uh, I work with some clients who have been around the block and still have a hard time doing this, and it's giving and receiving feedback. Yeah. And I I'd love you to talk about the importance of that and some examples that you found uh, from your leaders uh, just around. Not only, you know, sometimes we're, we're okay giving it, although that could be hard, but even allowing the space to receive it as well. So talk about that. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm very passionate about uh, about the F word feedback. I think it's <laughs> I think it's so important. And when I started writing this book, I thought this last chapter was you know about feedback was going to be all about leaders giving feedback to their people, and they need to do this. You know, leaders need to set the example of giving feedback when things go well, and when they don't go well. And right. as you as you know, the best leaders not only give feedback, but they encourage people on their teams to give feedback. It's the peer-to-peer feedback, which really yep. makes a team great and strong. What I had not expected uh, was the very last story in the book is from a, a, a good friend and a leader that uh, is now a, a coach. His name's Tavo Godfordson. And he talked about a story about uh, how important it is for a leader to ask for and act upon feedback. Ask for and act upon feedback. And what he said in that story, he said, um, when a senior leader is willing to uh, ask for feedback and then act upon that feedback, it uh, it sends a whole re- it sends a message to the entire organization that first of all, the leader is vulnerable enough to say, "I'm not good at everything," Absolutely. which allows everybody around him or her to do the same thing and say, "Hey, I'm not good either." But then, when a leader takes the initiative and says, "I got to work on this." Everyone else watches that. And you and I know this. Everyone is watching the senior leaders and the senior leader. Absolutely. Yep. And when everyone says, hey, you know, look at look at him or look at her, they're really working to improve themselves. Everybody else in the organization says, I got to look at myself and I got to get better too. So it really raises the level of the entire organization when a senior leader asks for and then act upon that feedback. Yeah, that might have that might have been one of the most compelling things from this whole book uh, is that uh, leaders need to do that and need to do that better. Yeah. And so what, how would he create the space to, to get that feedback? Yeah. He, he tells a story in there about a CEO that he worked with who got some feedback and said, you know what? I, I need to make sure everyone sees that. And he did a, uh, a video pod or video cast to the entire company that said, Hey, I just got some feedback. Here's some things that I'm not very good at. Uh, and I'm going to work on those. And you think about doing that to a company of hundreds of people. Now you've got hundreds of people who are holding you accountable to get better at those things. And that's a, that's a message to the entire uh, population yeah. saying, oh yeah. my gosh, we're going to hold him accountable. And what am I not very good at? So that was a, exactly. it was a really, really compelling and exciting story there. And he's going to air that out. He's going to make that public to the whole organization that he realizes he's, he's not very good at these things because he got some feedback that he agrees with. And and now he's going to let all of us know so that we can kind of hold him accountable. I mean, we'll talk about a vulnerable leader. Oh yeah, no, it's great. And you and you and I know this from the the CEOs and the leadership teams we work with. You know, whether you're going through an assessment to learn about yourself, and when a leader says, hey, "Here's something I could really ask for some help from the team on," and everybody else does that too, there's an example of that. Or when a leader says at the end of our time together, "Here's one commitment: I'm going to commit to communicating more effectively." Uh, through the to the whole organization. Now you've got a whole group of people who are going to hold you accountable to that. And when you say it publicly, boy, it is uh, it's a lot more meaningful than if you just kind of write it down to yourself. So yeah, yeah. that guy was a great example of that. Totally. And I think that not only being vulnerable about yourself and things that you can you can get better at, and and it, obviously it's great to do that and be able to have that kind of a an environment where you can be honest about that. But I think if you could be honest about that, then you could be honest about things in the business that aren't going very well. You know, that's right. If you're guarded about your own 
weaknesses or things that you could be better on, you're probably going to be guarded about things in your business as well that need to improve. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely true. And, um, you know, in that, you know, one of my chapters is all about meetings and poor meetings. And, and I I will tell you a quick story that I think is exactly what you're talking about here is in my first executive team meeting, when I got promoted to the sales leadership job, I went in there and the CEO was a super smart guy. We talk about smart versus healthy, probably the one of the smartest guys I've ever known, but didn't have the vulnerability that we see in these great leaders. And so he was talking about something in a preamble to this meeting. He was talking about something in front of everyone. And he said something that was not true. It was clearly not true. Even to this new junior executive on the team, I was like, that is not true. But no one was saying anything at all. And so I was like, what is going on here? Like, no one's calling him out on this. And I was young and naive. So I raised my hand and I said, "Uh, that's not right. That's not correct. And the entire room turned and looked at me and said, it kind of like, oh boy, here it comes. Because they had been to this movie before and they'd seen how he responded when people were, you know, challenging him. And I will tell you, uh, talk about, uh, talk about a mistake. Um, this is like one of the worst moments of my professional career because he let me have it. He dressed me down in front of everybody. Why he was smart and I was stupid. Why he was right and I was wrong. And he went on. He did not hold back. And it was really awful. It was really awful for me. And we were walking out of the meeting and our VP of marketing said, you know, Mike, we don't do that in there. And I was like, okay, well, maybe you could have told me that an hour ago. Yeah, but, you didn't but he's, easily <laughs> tell that then. You, you realized that. Exactly. He said, he said, we don't do that in there because he's almost always right. But when he's not, if you challenge him, it always goes that way. So my recommendation to you is just kind of stay in your lane. You're in charge of sales. Just stay in your lane and don't, you know, don't make a fuss and don't challenge and do that. And the the lesson that I learned from this was that, or that we all learned was that we are not going to make waves. We weren't going to challenge him and we weren't going to challenge each other. So we all did our own things. And you know, James, from all the work you've done, when people get into silos and they don't ask for help from each other, it causes problems. It causes, you know, small problems at first, but then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the history of that company, if you look back at it, is that company had everything going for it. Market leadership position, smart people. We had financing. Everything was lined up, but everyone was running their own little mini organization. And when small problems uh, rose up, they got bigger and bigger and bigger because we weren't helping each other. And the company, which was a high flyer in the technology world, came crashing down and we got sold off for for parts for to a company that I promise you was nowhere near as smart as we were because I worked for them for a long time, but they understood some of these things that we talk about in terms of being vulnerable and open and making decisions as a group and having clarity and all those things. Uh, so it was a great case history on making sure people are open and vulnerable and sharing their ideas and giving each other feedback. Otherwise, a company and an organization can collapse. Yeah, yeah. You know, I worked for a similar leader and uh, and. If if you made a mistake, he was going to do the same thing that your boss did, and and for sure you couldn't call this leader out, uh, just like you described. And so, what it meant was, if there was something going wrong in our business unit, we just weren't going to tell him, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that it, it just it gr- problems grew or problems festered or or you know they dragged out um, and got much worse because we weren't going to bring that kind of vulnerability just like you're talking about. And it was, uh, it, it goes in contrast to what Alan Mulally, somebody you and I have gotten to know and, and is good friends with Pat Lanchoni, talks about it, where it's, hey, we need to know the problems. Bring the problems up to me. 
because that way we can solve them together, you know, as opposed to that, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions kind of mentality. Well, Alan would say the opposite. Like, if you've got a problem, let's talk about it so we can address it as soon as possible. Yeah, no, I think that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right in any time. And, you know, when the crisis we're facing right now, I think it's even more important. And since all these meetings are on Zoom and we're not face-to-face anymore, I think sometimes there's that technology barrier. And we might be saying, oh, I don't want to bring up something hard in front of everybody. But that's exactly what teams need to do right now is lean into the most difficult and hard issues. Uh, If we're going to get out of this thing and get out of this thing as a stronger organization and team, we have got to be talking about the difficult things. Yeah. So as you, uh, as we're, you know, we're, we're doing this in, in May and, uh, and it, we're, you know, right in the throes of trying to come back out of this and businesses are opening up and, and things like that. It doesn't mean that, that, you know, the economy is going to come back anytime soon. And in fact, what's, what's funny, at least where I am in Arizona is, um, you know, small businesses are opening up, but my clients aren't necessarily going back to the office, you know, so that zoom challenge that you talked about is in full effect. What are some of the things that you have, are there any like mistakes or rookie mistakes? We're all rookies in this for the most part, anything that you're seeing where it's like, Oh gosh, I, I, I've coached them to do this or, or anything that you're seeing is working really well from your clients. Sure, sure. Well, you know, one thing that comes to mind is is the the whole idea around clarity was the you know that was the first section of the book, um, yeah. mistakes around clarity. And I think in this particular time right now, it's e- even more critical that you're clear about the most important things. You know, for example, this this thematic goal that we talk about, the single most important priority. I think a lot of organizations that I work with and in general say, hey, here's our big goals for the year, or here's the most important thing over the next six months. But I don't think I have one customer that I work with that that has not changed or been altered dramatically in this time totally. frame. Yeah. yeah. In fact, in fact, some of them have moved thematic goals multiple times over the last six weeks. You know, the first one was something like, uh, we got to save people's jobs. And the second one is we got to make the most of this weird time. And now it's like, we got to get ready to emerge. We got to be yep. going the offense if we're going to take, you know, do the best we can and save, you know, the company and market share and everything else. Yep. So I think clarity about that single most important thing and not being able to say, hey, that one's out the door. This is what's really important now is one that yep. kind of jumps to mind right away. Yeah, that's, uh, I totally agree. Uh, I had a, a, a client who has been through this in their industry. They've been through like some tough times in, in 2015 and then in 2008 and nine, like a lot of companies. And, and one of the things that they did in those moments was do a postmortem and yeah. learn from it. And, and so they said in this moment, they saved themselves millions of dollars because they actually had a playbook that they could go to and start implementing changes right away. And, uh, and they, and, and the other piece of that was they're, they're getting hit pretty hard, but they never seemed, uh, out of place. Like they seemed calm and they seemed to like not be exacerbated. They, they, uh, they just seemed well within their, their zone of being able to deal with a crisis uh, because they had this track record of doing it in the past and they had this playbook to fall back on. 
Yeah. So that's no. So that, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so important to have that to to lean on and pay attention to and look back on. What's what? What are the answers to these important questions? And are we following these things during this crisis? I mean, that's really what they're they're meant for to follow all the time. But especially now, we got to lead into those things. Exactly. And when they had to make tough decisions around personnel, they could fall back on this and go, hey, this is what we talked about in 15, or this is what we talked about at 08 and 09. And we've got to make these hard decisions and fall back on the fact that this is what served us well and kept the company afloat during these crisis times. Yeah, no, so so true. You know, we're talking about personnel and paying attention to these core values that we've got. This is when it really comes forward. And I think, you know, you asked about mistakes that I've seen leaders make, you know, right out of the gate, there are a lot of leaders that I worked with that said, we've got to get rid of a bunch of people. If we're going to survive, we got to get rid of a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And I think Pat uh, did a great job of saying, hey, wait a minute, maybe there's another way. Maybe we can cut people's salary and keep everybody. Let's take that to our, take talk to our population, to our leaders and say, what do you think about this? Um, So I think that was kind of a knee jerk early on. But paying attention to values now as we start to emerge from this crisis and say, hey, before we hire a bunch of people, now that we're coming back into this, or if you're in an industry that, you know, God bless you if it's you, boy, we have grown as a result of this because of the industry we're in. Uh, It's real easy to be tempted to say, let's just get whoever we can in here because we have so many openings. And if you don't pay attention to who's going to be a cultural fit and who is really what you need in this time. You're going to pay for it later on. So being really careful about that in this time as you're bringing people on, that's probably just as important. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. Really good point. Uh, I think we also have seen some clients who in the beginning of this were almost like stuck because there's so much information and so many changes that they maybe didn't act because you didn't even know it was going to happen the next day. Uh, and, and it, you know, whereas the, that other client I, I talked about said, yeah, plan is better than no plan. You know, let's fall back mm-hmm. on the plan. And some clients who, you know, this is maybe their first crisis, were a little bit stuck and delayed because they're trying to find perfect information as opposed to let's just make a plan. If we have to change it tomorrow, we have to change it tomorrow. But let's go with the info we have. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, James, that the best leaders that we work with are the ones who, who get the way in, talk to their teams, make a decision fast. And then, you know, if it's, if it's mistake, you correct fast and you, yeah. and you change course. You yeah. know, most of the time, if you really get the way in from the people who know, you're going to make the best decisions. But occasionally, if you miss on one, you correct fast and this is the direction we're going. And I agree. Hey, you know, let's execute the plan that we've got based upon what we know. And if we need to switch gears, we, we could certainly do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, uh, Mike, we've talked about your book. I really enjoyed reading it. Uh, I actually got to Thank read you. it again in preparation for this. So it was, it, that was really helpful. Um, I'm glad I did that. And, uh, and so what are some other books besides this one? Obviously, you gift this one out a lot. But besides this one, what are some of your favorite books to gift? Yeah, yeah. Well, I will say the um, yeah the the first one that came that comes to mind when you say that is as you know my wife is my editor, yeah. and uh, and she but she's also an author and wrote a book called People Are Good, mm. and it's a simple book that's got a collection of a hundred stories of things that people have done for each other, sort of simple acts of kindness, 
that uh, were unnecessary, but very much appreciated. And I can tell you, as we go through a, a crisis like this, I think that that's super relevant and super important. So I, I love that one. And it's got a, you know, I've got a personal place in there. My wife was, uh, she was my editor. She would tell you that I was the most difficult author she ever worked for <laughs> because she could not escape me. But her books are really, her books are really great ones. So that's, that's one that comes to mind here. The other one that I think I would jump out at me just now is, you know, it's a, kind of an obvious answer saying, uh, you know, Pat, Patrick Lencioni's books are ones that, that really grab you. But I will tell you that the Frantic family right now, which, which Pat has graciously made available to everyone during this time, I think this is a time when we are, we're all at home. We're probably all getting on each other's nerves and, you know, thinking about where should we go with our family? What are our core values for our family? What's the most important thing that we got to pay attention to as a family right now? Uh, I have made that available or told people about that since Pat made it available to everyone in an ebook. And I'll tell you, the ones who have taken advantage of that have really said, boy, this really had a great positive impact on my family. So in a, in a time so of crisis true. or any time, really, to make sure, hey, we are going in the uh, clear direction as a family, just like we're going in the clear direction as our leadership team. Those are probably two... Uh, Non-business ebooks that I think are probably really great ones, you know, given the given the time we're at right now. Boy, I totally agree. And um, you know, you sent me your wife's book way back when yeah. it came out, and and I read it back then. Uh, I did not read it in preparation for this podcast, but I probably should have. And uh, <laughs> but I got to tell you, at, when you mentioned that book, I immediately thought, oh, that is so timely right now. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I've been a little bit surprised at is how uh, divisive we, you know, our country has become. I mean, I think it was already there, but during mm -hmm. this pandemic, you know, like I, it just is. And the nice thing is, is actually you see it on a local level. You see people really working with each other. And, and I mean, we, my wife and I take walks all the time and people are so kind and nice and, you know, we'll, we'll stop and talk to people, social distance, but, um, but, uh, you know, I think your wife's book really gets at the core that people are good, you know, and yeah, we have so much more in common with each other than we do, um, uh, not in common. And, uh, I think it's a great, a great idea to read that book. Um, and then you're right. Frantic family is also so good and, and, uh, so helpful right now. And, and I think that one is also a little bit around what's your plan for your family. And uh, you talk about plan is better than no plan. You know, our our little family thematic goal is to get our oldest daughter off to college. And that might change with all of this. You know, she's supposed to start in <laughs> August. Uh, but they just uh, said orientation is going virtual. You know, she's she was supposed to go to orientation in June. And now that's going virtual. So that... Who knows what's going to happen with the start of school and all that. So, uh, it, well, you know, it's, yeah, go ahead. It, it's funny that you say that because one of our thematic goal for our family is getting our daughter back to college mm. because she had to come home during the middle of her freshman year. And yeah. so we want to get her back out there as much as we love having her. Uh, I know when I was 19, I wanted to be away from my parents and my family. And, you know, I think she, yeah. she deserves that. So getting yeah. her back out the door and continuing what's going on is uh, an important thing in our family right now. Yeah, what and and your daughter is a basketball player and was in the tournament. Her team was in the yep. tournament and won the uh, they won their first game, I think, right? They won their first two. So they made it first to the sweet two. 16. Yep. 
and then didn't play again because of this, right? That's right. She's in. She's a Division three basketball player. She was out in Maine for the Sweet 16, and that's when they called it off, the day of the game. Oh. And so, yeah, so we, we had to get her home. Took a little while to get her home, but she yeah. came back and, you know, missed opportunity for her. So she was a little disappointed, but hopefully as a freshman, she'll get some more chances back there. We'll, we'll see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. One final question. Uh, do you have a favorite quote? Could be business, it could be life, or you could give me one of each. Do you have a favorite quote? Boy, I will tell you the uh, the one that the one that comes to mind is uh, is one that I just already shared as we were talking here. So I don't know if this will make the final cut on this or not. But that <laughs> whole idea of a leader asking for feedback and then acting upon that feedback, yeah. and, and when the leader does that, it raises the whole organization. So maybe that's worth repeating. That uh, if leaders oh. all do that. The entire organization gets better, and that's what that's what gets me excited about the work we do. When leaders are vulnerable, open, try to get better, their organizations get better. That's really what it's all about. So that's probably the one I would want to want to leave the podcast with. Awesome, so good. Yeah, it, it is worth repeating. So no problem. All right, Mike. Thanks so much for joining. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, where can people? Uh, find more information about you or the book. I know you're on the Table Group website, of course. Uh, where else? Yeah, I was going to say first and foremost, I'm a Table Group consultant, and that's you can find me on the Table Group on tablegroup.com. I have a small website also that's it's mike-mccarg.com where I've got some information about uh, my book as well as the consulting I do. I've got an assessment in there where people can take a look at what they're doing well and not doing well related to the the mistakes. So that's kind of fun up there as well. So that's another place you can you can take a look. And certainly the book's available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and anywhere else. So that's where awesome. you can find me. Awesome. The book is Rookie Mistakes. Mike, spell your last name for me. Yeah, it's M-C, capital H, A-R, G as in George, U-E. Yeah. So that the website is mike-mccard.com. Dot com. You got oh, it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much. It was good having you on here, and I look forward to doing this again sometime. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Org Health Advantage. Your hosts, Keith and James, are helping leaders change the world of work and invite you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For more resources on building stronger teams and organizational health, check out tablegroup.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.